Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls for a Canada recap. We are so excited to talk about it today. It was an absolutely wild weekend. So many surprises, grid shakeups, really exciting quality, and an exciting race. We love to see it. We were all in LA this weekend watching quality while getting ready for a wedding. That was a blast. Um, but with that, we'll just get right into it. I'm Tiggy. I'm Sarah. And I'm Chessa. So let's talk about our main takeaways from the weekend. I think for me, it was that Canada is for the midfield. We talked about this in the preview that Canada is all about the maiden victories and people really coming up from the midfield. So we love to see the mix up all throughout practice, all through quality and all through the race. And then my other main takeaway was that just utter devastation for Checo. I'm very, very sad. Yes, that was so sad to see. Mine is related to the Checo incident, but just reliability issues still seem to have no end. I think despite the focus on Ferrari's reliability issues or unreliability, Red Bull <laughs> has had more DNFs from reliability issues with Checo's gearbox retirement this weekend than Ferrari has. So all of that to say, I would say don't count out Mercedes and the constructors. They're porpoising and they're bouncing maybe the talk of the town. But I think when it comes to reliability, they're sort of blowing Red Bull and Ferrari out of the water this season and consistency matters. So I really hope Red Bull and Ferrari can both figure it out because it's tough to see these retirements. That's definitely Mine is, as we saw, Carlos is so close to his first win. I think it's going to happen soon. Being within a second of the win and being so close after the safety, par- safety car, I think, shows that he's really on the verge of it. But at the same time, I think he needs to step it up a bit if he wants to compete on the Max Charles level. I think he made a little mistake at the end. That cost him. And when people like Max just will throw out lap after lap of – perfection both in quality and then when they're driving under pressure I do think Carlos needs to get on that level yeah I would say I I don't think Carlos is at Max's level at all but I will throw him a bit of a bone here to say that I think it seemed to me that the Red Bull car had a bit more power and was better suited to the track and again not saying Carlos is at their level but I do think it was a decent drive from him and just even being able to stay on Max's tail for so many laps was impressive to watch so yeah not his peak performance probably and he does have to step it up but I I do think it was a decent race from him yeah it definitely was but Carlos and Max both said that they thought that Ferrari was faster and Carlos said he thought he even had like a two to three tenths pace advantage so I don't know I think sometimes he tends to overdrive and make mistakes as he did here and in quality sometimes too recently when he'll have provisional pull and then make a mistake on his last flying lap it it definitely costs him when other 
drivers like Max are just so consistent or Charles in qualifying too. Another thing I'll throw in that we'll talk about is this team principal fight is getting spicy. <laughs> so get excited to hear about that. So let's talk about how our hot takes held up. My main one was a rogue Hamilton on podium, which happened. So I'm on a roll here with the predictions. <laughs> when you said that last time, we literally all audibly gasped. And I guess the joke, the joke is on Tiggy and I now. <laughs> well, I only gasped because I know Sarah is not the biggest Hamilton fan. So I was like, oh my gosh, Sarah, I'm rooting for <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> um, but mine, I said Alonso on podium. I'm going to count this as a half win for me. I think first time for him in the front row since 2012. Incredible quality. He started P2. So he was on podium in my heart despite the heart-wrenching disappointing race after the fact but I I will say manifested at least a good quality and a good performance from him so go along that counts that counts mine was a maiden podium which did not happen and neither did we see both Red Bulls on podium but we did see both Alpines in the points so another pretty spicy take that I think played out for me so I'm really happy about that for our MVPs I think my MVP is Hamilton you guys can all audibly gasp now as well. <laughs> no, um, he had a great drive. <laughs> yeah, but I, will, practice, I agree with that. Yeah, at practice he was saying that the car was, quote unquote, just getting worse and worse and worse, and it was r- truly undrivable. But he really managed to end up on podium. So you go, Glenn Coco. Way to go, Hamilton. <laughs> For me, my MVP was Leclerc, I think. Starting from the back of the grid to finish P5, he had a great drive. I thought that was champion-level performance right there. I think he probably could have done even better had he not had that slow second pit stop, potentially even getting P3 or on podium. But, yeah, well done. That was sort of like a Hamilton-esque drive, I feel, from him this weekend. Go Leclerc. Yeah, throwback to Hamilton Brazil last year. It was, wasn't on that level, but it was definitely up there. Mine was also Charles, but I have to throw Max in there too, of course. Um, just for Max, pull under tough quality conditions and then drove perfectly after the safety car under a lot of pressure from science. He can just bang out these perfect laps under pressure so consistently, which is pretty remarkable. And then Charles, as Tiggy was saying, P19 to P5, despite dealing with traffic, bad tire deck. He was stuck in DRS trains. And then of course, Fry hit him with an over five second pit stop. So really just battling, battling through the odds here for a strong finish. So how about your all's least valuable player LVP? For me, I'm going to go with the Haas power unit and their non-existent upgrade packages. I was so excited for Mick and K-Mag. They both had really great qualities and just sad to see the failures there and I don't understand why why they're not bringing any upgrade packages I guess cost cap is an excuse and they've had to do a lot of repairs that probably cost a lot of money but to just not come with anything ever and I don't know I feel like they're gambling with with fire it's not like they're good enough to like wait till the last minute and then blow it out of the water they're not gonna get like a thousand points in a race so I agree with you Diggy um, for me, my LVP was no one in particular, no car in particular. I think for me, it was the track. I think the confluence of events between the rain and the super high degradation track that we usually see anyways, the drivers were all kind of complaining about grip and tires and there's pit strategy. And I think overall, they were caught on their back foots, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Because it helps helps them shine in other areas. But that was something I noticed. 
And minus the McLaren pit crew, I don't know what is up with pit stops this season, but they attempted to do a double stack and put Ricardo in first. And they were already not having a great weekend. Put Ricardo in first, and it was, I think, over four seconds slower than his stop should have been. One of the front tires got stuck. Then Lando pulls in for the double stack, and they had the wrong set of tires. They didn't have the tires ready. Just complete fumble. And Lando was in there 19 seconds longer than he should have been in the pit lane. Jeez. So That might be the longest one all season. Yeah. That's wild. It's so bad. I don't – yeah. And meanwhile, Red Bull's doing 2.2 second stops. So it's just these totally unforced errors that it's just – man. But I'm glad for once that the – McLaren woes were not Danny Rick's. Yeah. Could not be attributed to Danny Rick. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Although it was sad not to see him follow up after the good race last time. So getting into some news and then practice. Like we said, teams didn't really bring upgrades here. I think for teams that did, they were pretty minor, but expect a lot bigger upgrade packages for Silverstone coming up. Some more developments on the FIA porpoising intervention. I think a lot of drivers seem to support this, but interestingly, both Max and Charles said they're opposed. And Max said that the Mercedes drivers should just speak for themselves instead of appointing themselves the spokespeople for all the drivers, which is... That is a spicy day. Yeah, it's like a little savage of a comment, but I'm interested that Charles also opposed it. Yeah, and we'll get into this, but Ferrari is now teaming up with Red Bull, it seems, but... Anyway, so Christian said it's wrong that the FIA can force teams to change their setups at the last minute because – so the porpoising metric itself about the oscillation that's going to be allowed hasn't been determined yet, but then the FIA last minute on Thursday allowed teams to make changes to the floor of the car, but really only Mercedes was able to do that in time because it was obviously such short notice. They need to have the parts on hand and everything. So there was a team principal meeting that apparently got wild. So there was a fight between Toto and other principals, including – the AlphaTauri, Aston Martin, and Alpine principals who said it was all too rushed and they didn't have time to do anything. And then apparently there was a huge fight between Toto and Mattia Bonotto, and it seems like Christian was siding siding with Mattia, and the Netflix cameras were in the meeting. (laughs) I cannot wait to see that. And yeah, and the Alpine principal was also kind of repeating that common criticism that teams like Mercedes can just raise their ride height, and it's basically their problem to figure out how to both do that and have a workable fast car. He basically said, quote, we just tend to run the car at a ride height that still gets the performance that we need, but doesn't hurt or injure the drivers or destroy the car. We run it safely. I believe every team has that opportunity to do so, just increase the ride height. So that's a pretty savage comment. Um, I'm basically just saying that Mercedes can do it. They don't have to like make a whole stink of it and then make it a rule so that way that they don't get like necessarily penalized for it. Well, Toto called the other team principals who were critical of him pitiful, (laughs) which is scathing. (laughs) I'm just imagining Toto calling me pitiful. I would probably go crawl into a hole. Um, And Christian said that certain people, ahem, Toto, were being theatrical and auditioning for Lewis's new movie, which, (laughs) oh man, I really hope this is all on Drive to Survive. I hope this gets its own episode. This sounds wild. And it's my a coworker who I got really into F1, shout out to Richie, um, <laughs> and I were talking about this, about how it, Toto last season was kind of acted totally above the fray, like not going to stoop to Christian's pettiness, not going to call out Christian by name or slam him. And now Toto, I think, is just coming in guns blazing. <laughs> well, it's easier to be critical when you're losing. It was definitely noticeable, though, that the cars were being run higher this weekend, especially the Mercedes 
Um, but what do you guys think? Do you think it be an intervention was a good idea? Should these mid-season rule changes be allowed? I think when you have the driver's best interests in, in mind, then yes. Like they were having a really hard time. Like Lewis was having all those bruises and like we talked about maybe like the sub-concussion risk. I think that was probably okay. Yeah, I definitely think safety, if anything, is going to justify a midseason rule change or FIA intervention. I think it is safety. Um, but I do think some of these other teams have a point that the FIA needs to find a balance between imposing this on other teams when other teams have figured out how to work within the rules but keep their drivers safe. Yeah. And so if those teams are going to kind of be penalized when they were doing the right thing all along, that's also tough. But I totally get making moves for safety. It's just a really fine line they have to walk. Yeah, I agree. In other news, Goldman Sachs just signed on to be the official partner of McLaren for 2022 and beyond. So it looks like (laughs) DJ Diesel is dipping his toes into the F1 pool. We got a picture of the McLaren car in the Goldman lobby today, which is pretty funny to see. I I predict that DJ David Solomon will be doing a DJ set at Vegas in 2023 <laughs> and that literally every intern at Goldman Sachs this summer is going to be like brown nosing the hell out of it to try to get a paddock pass at some point. Oh, for sure. It's fitting that we put Lando in Murray Hill in our New York neighborhood. <laughs> we were reading the future. We're so ahead of it all. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently a ton of F1 related people had total disasters on Air Canada trying to leave Montreal and get back to the UK. So that's unfortunate. People were getting kicked off planes and everything. We can relate. We had some wild times trying to get to LA last weekend, but <laughs> we made it there and back, thankfully. Thank God. So practice. Groundhogs were out and about as promised. We have to give a shout out to one of our followers who created a tiering of which drivers would or would not hit the groundhog and why. And we shared it on our Instagram. Hopefully you guys saw it, but it was just absolutely excellent. We loved it so much. It was hilarious. Um, So thank you for putting that together. At practice, what we really saw was the crowd. The crowd was really amazing. I think They probably missed Formula One so much after not having it since 2019, and there was definitely a lot of pent-up excitement, and the drivers were definitely very happy going into practice with all of that energy from the crowd. So FP1, the Ferraris and the Red Bulls looked really strong. We saw Alonso in third, which was some foreshadowing for later in quali. Lewis was struggling all day on Friday at practice. He did an experiment, like Sarah said, with the floor cut out in FP1. He went back to the original floor design for FP2 and then called the car undrivable, like I said, and said it was so bad. Potas was also having some technical difficulties on Friday in keeping with the Alfa Romeo bad luck on Fridays in general. So then just quickly, FP2 and FP3. And FP2 Verstappen and the Ferraris were looking really good, but in kind of a fun switch up, Vettel was in fourth and Alonso was in fifth. So definitely a little bit of excitement there. And then FP3 got wild with just pouring rain and really wet conditions and Alonzo was amazing under those conditions he set the pace at final practice and Gasly was in second and Vettel was in third so we were really hopeful for some of these midfield cars it didn't entirely pan out but still fun to see a bit of a shakeup in practice yeah totally and then qualifying this was so crazy this was probably one of my favorite qualities to watch this season so far Overall, Tegan and I were freaking out. <laughs> we were. We were like half doing our makeup for the wedding, like <laughs> half just, wait, you got to look at this. You got to look at this. But it was so fun. Um, overall, the weather was a mess. And like we said, I think experience prevailed. 
Both Yuki and Charles took grid penalties for new power unit components. Ferrari was initially trying to avoid that, but then Charles needed new control electronics. So that was a 10-place grid drop, which is really rough. And then he also took a new turbocharger and some other parts. And so he was guaranteed to just start all the way in the back. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I bet we all could have different opinions on this and probably listeners do too of whether teams should get unlimited power unit parts just obviously restricted by the cost cap or whether there should be these grid penalties I personally kind of like the grid penalties I think they're fun and a good way to get to see performances like we saw with these amazing drivers starting at the back and charging all the way through the field but obviously tough for the teams when they have to be making these strategic calls about the engine yeah I agree it just adds a whole new dimension to the strategy which is never going to be a bad thing in our humble opinion (laughs) we all need a little extra health boost sometimes and fleur marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine we just stick them on wherever we want they have them for sleep relaxation focus and other things and the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way and the results last up to 12 hours fleur marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder green machine They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code FORTHEGIRLS at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code FORTHEGIRLS for 20% off your first order. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So Q1, we saw Gasly, Vettel, Stroll, Latifi, and Yuki all out, both Canadians obviously out. That really sucks for the crowd there. It was a bit of an upset that we saw Vettel and Gasly out. Vettel was so upset on the radio. We'll talk about that since it was our radio of the week. He had a tire pressure problem and they kind of just missed out. So kind of a kind of a upset for Q1. Obviously, we were probably going to see Latifi out in Q1 anyways, but sad to see Vettel out. Yeah, in Q2, Albon and Perez both had small accidents, but Checo's left him wedged in the Tech Pro barriers and caused a red flag. But in a boss move, he literally trekked back through the woods to the paddock. It looked like he was walking through the forest. The pictures are so funny. Norris also had a power unit sensor issue. And in the end, Botas, Albon, Checo, Norris, and Leclerc were out. But shout out to Albon in P12, though. Strong performance from him. 
And then in Q3, Verstappen was on pole. Surprise, surprise. But what was fun was the Spaniards rounded out with Alonso in P2 and Sainz in P3. This was insane for Alonso. It's his first front row appearance since 2012 when Max was 14 and in like eighth grade. So <laughs> Alonso is an absolute legend, just 40 and absolutely showing up. Hamilton also got his first top four start of the season. And then the other huge story was Haas. They were so excited to take fifth and sixth with Magnussen in P5, then Mick in P6. It was Haas's best combined qualifying result ever and then Mick's best personal result ever. And Mick said this was huge vindication for him and showed that he deserves this seat. As you all know, we have really been rooting for Mick, and so we were so happy. Yeah, and Russell took a huge gamble by being the only driver to try slick tires, and that did not work out for him very well. And then after that, we had Ocon, Russell, Ricardo, and Joe in his first top 10 start, which is very exciting. And also, fun fact, top five on the grid were all from different teams, which is pretty rare. So the race, the race, the weather was finally looking good, but don't forget, like we said, this is a high degradation track, so there was still a lot to think about in terms of pit strategy. We did see some of the drivers complaining about greening and grip, especially signs Leclerc, Max, Alonso, and Gasly. Notably, never Checo and Russell. Like we said, they're heads down drivers and they're they don't tend to complain. <laughs> um, so this was awesome, an awesome start to the race. It was a crazy starting grid. Charles was 19th for taking an engine penalty. Checo was 13th after he crashed in Quali. Again, Lando was 14th after his sensor issues. Botas was starting outside of the top seven for the first time ever here. Joe was his first time in the top 10. Like we said, the Haas best ever combined start. And then the two Spaniards were in the top three for the first time ever in Formula One. Wow, that is wild. Yeah, so to get into the start, there was so much hype about Verstappen versus Alonso. I think the crowd was just going wild. We were watching, and I don't feel like I've ever heard a crowd this loud like when you're hearing announcers and stuff. Like You could hear it. It's pretty crazy. Verstappen got away, and Alonso held on for three laps despite his slow reaction at the start. But good for Max for doing this on cold tires because the formation lap was such a mess, took really long for everyone to get to the grid. So good start for Max. Um, Hamilton and K-Mag had some wheel-to-wheel action in which K-Mag had some small front wing damage. Uh, there was a black and orange flag, so he lost a bunch of places in the pits, unfortunately. Yeah, so then once DRS was enabled after a few laps, Signs passed Alonso pretty easily to get into P2, and then Russell passed Mick at the hairpin turn on the first lap, then passed K-Mag soon after and got up to P5 pretty quickly. So Mr. Consistency asserting himself. Then things started to get wild around lap nine because Checo had a mechanical failure. He had gearbox problems and was stuck in the same gear. So it was a virtual safety car. Lots of people pitted. And so then we were off to the races on strategy and mixing up the grid. So let's break it down by team. Like we said, so tragically, Checo had a gearbox problem. I don't even want to talk about it. It was really bad, <laughs> really sad. His second mechanical DNF of the season. Um and it's interesting because we have been talking a lot about like the recent Ferrari mechanical failures, but let's not forget that Red Bull how, now has more DNFs than Ferrari and Max and Jacko each have two. Speaking of Max, about halfway through the race, he had a little wheel-to-wheel action with Lewis on his way out of the pits. Lewis Just came out like on top. old times. I yeah, love that. it was so great. Yeah, I love seeing all the memes that were like, is it 2021? Like Max and Lewis <laughs> side by side again. 
back we're back in time but max was so pissed on the radio in in true form he's like how did he end out on top yeah and even though it was a super fast pit stop for red bull max was still released behind lewis um and was mad at the team for seemingly miscalculating <laughs> obviously pitting him seemingly thinking that he would be released in front of lewis um but then max and lewis were joking about it later in the cool down room so it's nice to see that they're at least on speaking terms now yeah love love to see that so like we mentioned, Yuki had a crash. There was a safety car on lap 49, which sort of evaporated Max's lead and made it a proper race with Carlos, which we do love a well-timed safety car. The restart order was Max, Carlos, Lewis, and Russell. Both Max and Carlos pitted for fresh hard tires there, and there was a great battle with Carlos in DRS range multiple times all the way through the end of the race. Like we mentioned, he was not able to eke by Max even though they thought that he had better pace. But uh, yeah, fun to watch. And they were so close, even on the last lap. Max just drove so well, did not make any of the sort of errors that would give Carlos the chance to make a move in a braking zone. And this was also with a radio failure where Max's engineer could talk to him, but they couldn't hear Max, which is crazy. And Max ended up winning by only under a second. So wild time yeah, I wonder how long it took them to realize Christian was like we were we were thinking why is Max being so quiet and then someone <laughs> realized that it, it was because his radio is broken <laughs> so for Ferrari the car was finally looking great with really awesome straight line speed they went with a low downforce setup to try to help Charles surge through the pack which definitely worked and it was Carlos's first time leading more than three laps this season exciting for him he is inching closer and closer to his first win but he was probably still so disappointed after being within fighting distance of Max for over 15 laps and I found it was maybe a little surprising that he didn't try to just send it when he was so close to his first win and Nico Rosberg in classic savage fashion said that this race was an example of how Charles is world champion material and Carlos isn't right now but at the <laughs> let same me time just, let me just step in to defend my man here I feel like <laughs> <laughs> Carlos did say he tried everything and he honestly probably didn't want to risk another DNF like he has had really bad luck this season multiple DNFs I I could see him not wanting to be reckless would have been fun to see him take that maiden victory but it yeah. would have been. and I, But I think it's a great confidence boost for him going into Silverstone, and I think we can only expect great things from here. So, Tiggy, don't worry. Your boyfriend is on the up and up. <laughs> You're not attacking him. Um, speaking of speaking of um, Carlos being a boyfriend, I Tiggy knows this, but I'm about to get international shipping to buy clothes from Carlos's girlfriend's new fashion line. So <laughs> stay tuned for the report on that. Lovely. All right. So rounding out Ferrari, we saw an amazing race from Charles. He was P19 to P5. He did such a good job picking people off and gaining positions, including or despite the fact that he had a really slow second pit stop in the middle of the race, lost some of those places back. Um, but hot take, you guys, could he have been P3 without having to come out behind that train? Yeah, I don't know. I, th I feel like Hamilton would have given him a run for his money there. Hamilton probably would have wanted a podium just as bad. So, But that would have been fun to watch uh, Charles and, and Hamilton battle it out. But speaking of Mercedes, they had an awesome race. Like we said, Hamilton podium, Russell P4, as always, Mr. Consistency still shines. It was an emotional roller coaster, like we said. Lewis was so upset during Friday practice, but then was just thrilled um, his first experience in probably almost a decade of what it feels like to get a podium when you have to hustle and work so hard from the midfield with a bad car. 
like Lewis has come from behind and won many times, but with a bad car and like consistently not performing very well this season, I think it must have just been pure elation for him. Basically, Lewis was doing so well that when he was um, getting up and picking off and getting close to George, the team basically said that George wouldn't make it difficult for him, a.k.a. like subtle team orders that Lewis could just pass George. So the car was still a bumpy ride, but but they weren't having as bad porpoising problems. And I think that all was a really good kind of everything came together for Lewis to have a great race. Meanwhile, tough out here for McLaren, zero (laughs) points. And afterwards – yeah. Afterwards, Lando said he just wanted to get an ice cream and to go home, which is relatable <laughs> content. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. As we said, Lando had a power unit sensor problem during quality, so he started P13. Then, as we said, just absolute disaster of a double stack pit stop attempt, so just insult on top of injury. Lando was so clearly not in a good mood with how this weekend was going. Then he got a five-second penalty for speeding in the pit lane. Oh, gosh. Then, towards the end of the race, both drivers were told to watch the brakes and couldn't push. So, just tough overall. On the bright side, Zach Brown did say he thinks the IndyCar driver, Colton Herta, who we've talked about as potentially getting a McLaren seat in the near future, he Zach Brown did say that he thought Colton could potentially get an F1C if he does well in testing, but Zach threw in that the McLaren driver lineup is set for 2023. So it does seem like the team is rallying behind Danny Moore and that Zach is walking back some of his previous comments. So we are happy to see that. <laughs> the drama continues. Alpine, a strong showing in the points, double points finish for them, but still such a disappointment after Alonso started on the front row. And Alonso was mad during the race as he just kept getting passed and dropping back and saying, what are we doing? It's unbelievable. We're losing seconds on the straight, you know, so much for this Alpine rocket. Uh, But turns out Alonso had an air leak problem in his car, which is not great. And then towards the end, after the safety car, Charles passed both Alonso and Ocon. So they dropped back to Ocon in P5 and Alonso P6. And Alonso was told not to pass Ocon and was just very upset about that. He said that even with the straight line speed problem, he was 100 times faster. So (laughs) a little bit of teammate rivalry there. And like we said, Alonso ended up finishing P7, but he got a five-second penalty after the race for weaving on the straights while defending against Botas and dropped to P9. So a little hot on the defense there. Damn. So for Haas, it was a pretty tragic weekend, yet another no points weekend, um, and which is especially sad this time after they had started on the third row of the grid. So Mick's car did not finish on lap 20 with a power unit failure while he was having an awesome race. He was in P7 at that point. The commentators were also really feeling for him, quote, saying, what does that man need to do to score a point in F1? Like he's having such bad luck. We had been so excited after an awesome quality um, and then after Mick DNF came back, fell away to the back after he had an early contact with Lewis. So now they've had power unit failures for the last three races. They've only, only brought one upgrade package this year. So I don't know if that's a great idea. I think they should probably start to bring some. Everyone else has been. So I don't really know what they're waiting for. Yeah, it was so tough to watch. And Mick's radio message when the car failed was just entirely bleeped out. Like, it was all explicit content. There was nothing they could show on TV. And KMAC came in last. So we were so excited after Quali and then, oh, just heartbreaking. And we will say that there was a lot of people saying that watching Mick drive in the rain reminded a lot of them of his dad, who obviously is an incredible 
driver and a world champion himself. So it was really full circle for Mick and we were really oh. rooting for him. That is sweet. His time is coming soon. This this show <laughs> that he can execute in quality and make it happen. And so his time is coming. We just need to be patient. <laughs> so not a blockbuster weekend for Aston Martin, but not too bad. It was a good race from Stroll. He finished P10 and also a decent recovery from Vettel finishing P12 after he started P17. So not too bad, not too great, nothing to write home about, but good to see that. And then Williams, Albon had started P12, like we mentioned, which was really incredible for Williams, and he finished P13, so not a bad outcome. Too bad it was not a points finish, but that's okay. And then Latifi, on the other hand, killed a groundhog and finished (laughs) second to last, so that's really all we have to say about that. (laughs) R.I.P. R.I.P. Groundhog. Sorry you had to meet your demise in this way. (laughs) I'm not Especially surprised from it was Latifi. Latifi. <laughs> oh, God, we are so mean. I know, but <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> so Alpha Tauri also had a hard day. Gasly was not in the points, and he really needs to be performing to potentially get a better seat in the next few years. So we hope he can turn around for Silverstone and the European swing this summer. And meanwhile, as we mentioned, Yuki crashed on lap 49 at turn one, so he was out, caused a full safety car, so not amazing. And to round out the teams, Alfa Romeo, they had two points finishes, both as P8, Joe, and P9, um, and then Alonso's penalty moved them up both a place. So this was Joe's first Q3 appearance and second points of the season, and I think he just deserved this so much after already having had some bad luck with some with some mechanical DNFs recently, so... I think he might have to be one of the most consistent rookies in recent memory. So way to go, Joe. Way to go. Yeah, he's been driving so well, so it's great to see it actually pay off with a strong points finish. So let's wrap it up. Radio of the week from Vettel after being out in Q1. Like we said, he was having some tire pressure issues, and he basically said, quote, how did we beep, beep this up so badly? And he goes, oops, sorry, I forgot the radio was on. So... (laughs) Oops. Classic Uncle Seb moment. We love to see it, but <laughs> tough to see him on a Q1. Yes, very sad. So where does this leave us in the standings for the Drivers' Championship? We have Max at 175, Checo at 129, Charles 126, George 111, and Carlos 102. So Checo and Charles are neck and neck with a three-point difference. And honestly, not a ton separates, I would say, like two through five here. Max has a, still a pretty decent lead, but... Lots of room for shakeups. And then constructors, we have Red Bull at 304, Ferrari at 228, and Mercedes at 188. And really, with one more good race for Mercedes and a bad race from Ferrari would put those two teams close to even. So there's the season is far from over. We are just getting started. I am excited for the next race, and we will catch you guys for a preview next time. Oh, 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 oh,